This episode of Primitive Culture is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 180,000 titles for smartphone, tablet and desktop. To get a free audiobook of your choice and to help Trek FM at the same time, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. And also by Enterprise in Space, an international program of the non-profit National Space Society. Find out how you can help science and education and become a virtual crew member aboard the NSS Enterprise Orbiter by visiting enterpriseinspace.org. And if you want to join the conversation and share your thoughts on this episode, join the Babel Conference, our listeners group on Facebook. Just type B-A-B-E-L into the Facebook search field. We look forward to seeing you there. This is Tim Russ, Lieutenant Commander Tuvok on Star Trek Voyager, and you're listening to Trek FM. Open your mind to the past. Oh, this may mean something. I've been coerced into watching tonight's movie. You do have books in the 24th century. It's a primitive culture. I'm just trying to blend in. Some people think the future means the end of history. We haven't run out of history quite yet. Hello and welcome to episode 100 of Primitive Culture, a Trek FM podcast all about our history, our culture and how Star Trek relates to it. Today I'm joined by two very special guests, Tony Black and Clara Cook. Hi both of you, how are you doing? Pretty good, pretty good I think. It's amazing to be here for episode 100. Wow, what an achievement. Yeah, it doesn't actually feel like we've had 100 episodes. <laughs> Although actually, Duncan, you might correct me, you might, you might feel like you've been here quite a long time. So <laughs> it might feel like a hundred to you, but it feels like just yesterday, you know, primitive culture was a twinkle in both of your eyes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I have to say, you know, we're recording in, well, I don't know, I was going to say lockdown. We're not quite locked down. Some of us might be, Tony, maybe you're in lockdown. Who knows? You know, uh, basically the, the 7,000th, 956th <laughs> day of March, 2020. So it's impossible <laughs> to say. We certainly have done a lot of episodes of primitive culture. I mean, I should say for what it's worth, this is not well i think this may be the hundredth episode we've recorded but we are recording slightly out of order as is often the case with primitive culture uh, i had to find a day that i could get the three of us all uh, together <laughs> you know in a sort of virtual room together yeah. um so i think episode 99 may not have been recorded yet on the other hand i went back and checked and there are those supplementals the yeah. number system changed early on uh so a bit in the same way as people argue about you know <laughs> were there 78 or 79 original series episodes? <laughs> who knows uh, i actually don't 100 percent know whether this is episode 100 Brilliant. recording this is going out as episode 100 <laughs> so you know we're, we're about there we've recorded roughly 100 episodes of this show yeah um, which is kind of amazing because I do remember, you know, back, it must be what, like four years ago? Is it Tony that you first came to me and said, Nearly. Hey, I've got this idea for a little show, you know, do you fancy uh, <laughs> just yeah. a little kind of side project? Um, and then when we first started doing it, Clara, you'll know this because when you came on board, our list of potential episode topics was well established. Within about a week or two, I think we probably had a hundred potential episode topics. <laughs> and there are still, you know, I went back and had a look at it today. There are still quite a lot so who knows i don't know if we're going to make it to episode 200 but the material is there uh <laughs> you know there there is material there there are topics there so potentially um 
We will. We could keep on going for a while. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But it's great to have the two of you uh, back on together. It's very rare that the three of us have ever recorded together. I think there's probably been like maybe two or three times in the past when we've gone to see a film together or been um, at uh, Destination Star Trek together or, Mm -hmm. you know, actually... Mm -hmm all been in the same room um but other than that very rare to get my two uh illustrious former co-hosts uh in the same you know as i say in the same zoom chat together well i mean i would say given we're doing a bit of back patting here i think credit to you duncan for steering this ship to 100 episodes because i mean i know clara and i have contributed a fair bit over the last few years and like you say we came together and came up with the idea and things like that. But, you know, as as is typical with me, you know, I jumped ship within 10 episodes. You carried on. <laughs> and then I've been a guest ever since. Um, mm. And to get to 100 for any project is no mean feat, you know, especially when these are, it's not just putting it together like a half hour, you know, casual thing. You know, this involves research. It involves thinking. It involves, it does involve a lot of planning, a lot of thought. And I think, to do this many really, really quality podcasts about Star Trek. And there is a fan base for it. You know, you frequently see people say how much they really enjoy primitive culture and the discussions. It's a real credit. And I, so I think you deserve the m- complete praise for that, for steering this. So well done. It's brilliant. Oh, thank you, Tony. <laughs> what would the equivalent be in Star Trek universe? Like, is Duncan Gene Roddenberry when it comes to this podcast? Or is he... Another showrunner. Oh. Like, who's the longest showrunner of Star Trek it's, ever? It's probably Rick Berman, isn't it? <laughs> are, you, are, are you Rick Berman then? <laughs> he, I yeah. don't know, maybe. Especially since, like, the, mm, since it was originally Tony, Tony's idea. Tony came to me, he said, do you want to do a show called... What was it? Historical Treks. Something like that. That's what yeah, it was yeah, going to yeah. be called. Something like that. <laughs> and I was like, well, maybe. I don't know. Have I got time? You know, because you wanted to do it weekly, I think, originally. And I yeah. said, well, I don't oh. think I can manage that. Maybe I can do fortnightly. Since lockdown, we, I mean, like, I aim to get two episodes out a month, but the <laughs> pretense that this is a fortnightly show has kind of gone out the window. But yeah, you know, since then it has, it has become a big part of my life and a big, <laughs> big commitment one way or another, but it has been great. I mean, I was looking back over some of our previous episodes today. Um, and we have definitely covered a lot of topics. I do, I love the breadth that this show gives yeah. us, um, to look at very different things and for me a lot of it is about learning about those things i mean i've learned about so much just from doing Mm. this show from researching the topics um you know month on month that i would never have uh known about you know about star trek but also just about the wider world about history about literature about culture um and also had some fantastic guests on with you know bringing Mm. their own expertise you know whether that's in the realm of film studies or design or baseball uh it's one of the first episodes i think i had guests on was i had um zach and mike uh from trek fm to try and explain to me the rules of baseball so we could watch take me out to the hollow suite together so it's been a it's been a great learning experience for me it's been a a great experience and great to share it uh with the two of you as well because although you know nowadays you come back to the show as guests you do come back semi-regularly and you both absolutely made your mark and your stamp on the show and the kind of topics uh that we can do i think tony obviously early on uh particularly with some of the kind of historical topics there were some topics that that tony you were sort of always pushing me to do and i was always a little bit scared about like so we did our cold war topic but it took us about three years to get there <laughs> we got there um, though in the end we did it we got there in the end i know <laughs> these like big topics i was like uh i yeah. don't know i think i need a bit longer to research that one um clara i think you also helped me to see that really this remit 
which Tony came up with, uh, our history, our culture and how Star Trek relates to it could be a lot broader than I'd been interpreting it. And it could encompass social issues, kind of broader societal, cultural uh, phenomena. And that, I think, uh, made a big difference as well to the kind of topics that we could do rather than being a strictly historical show or a strictly kind of film related show or, or whatever that we could kind of broaden it out into and sometimes quite wacky topics i mean there have been a few i think both of you have brought at one time or other topics where i really didn't understand what it was <laughs> we were supposed to be talking about but we kind of you know we muddled through and we got there in the end yeah i think one of the topics i think was really weird was um star trek if it'd been made by another culture other than america <laughs> and yeah, you were like yeah. What you mean, like French Star Trek or <laughs> Japanese Star? Trek? Like when we started analysing sci-fi in different cultures and different parts yeah. of the world, you're like, uh, yeah. Yeah. what about? But actually, it was okay. I think the one that's probably, but they've all taught me something. I think, but the one that's taught me the most about some subject I had no idea about was the one that we did on past tense and mm-hmm. the um, prison uprising in upstate New York in At- Attica. And like, so I read that whole book about the prison uprising, which Mm. I don't know if I would have necessarily found or come across if I hadn't been researching it for this podcast. And that was a real eye opener because I had no knowledge of that particular incident um, or that, or I wouldn't say I had no knowledge of the US prison system, but maybe I would say maybe a a middling knowledge, like a sort of basic knowledge, not enough really. Um, And through that particular podcast episode, I learned a lot through reading that book and doing research. Absolutely. And that was an interesting one as well, because I think sometimes we do topics where the influence, the kind of real world influence is kind of to some degree obvious. So for example, uh, Amy Nelson and I recently did an episode on the drumhead looking at McCarthyism and the the Red Scare and and that kind of thing. I think most people watching that episode probably get that that's uh, the background to that story. But the Attica background to past tense was something that I had no idea. You know, I wasn't familiar with this story at all, you know, shamefully in a way, because it's a terrible and, and really shocking and kind of important story. But certainly on this side of the pond, I don't think is one that people are very familiar with. And I had always thought, I mean, most people, when they talk about past tense, they talk about it in terms of homelessness. And that was obviously one big influence on the writers. And they said, you know, they were uh, sort of noticing homeless people around um Los Angeles while they were kind of coming up with that story. But it was the fact that there in the DS9 companion, there was this one line, I think, just from Iris Stephen Bear saying, you know, we were trying to work out how to do this story. And then I thought this is a story about Attica. Uh, and I think I must have, I probably said to you, Clara, oh, this is interesting. We should go and, you know, look this up. We're going to go and research this one. And we did. And, and, you know, as you say, learnt about this very shocking story that I think also, I imagine most of our listeners probably, I mean, maybe those in the US would know a bit more about that prison uprising. They might have heard of it, but I don't think many people had necessarily made the link to the Star Trek episode. I mean, unless, you know, obviously everyone's got a, well, not everyone, most of us probably have a copy of the DS9 Companion, but it's not a book that you read cover to cover. You know, that sort of thing you might well have passed you by. So yeah, it, it is a great pleasure, I think, digging out some of those more obscure influences, the less obvious ones, um, as well as doing the kind of more well-trodden well, I was going to say nautical literature. Tony, you and I discussed that at Destination Star Trek. We'd never mm. really done a proper episode on something like that. But the kind of the big things that NASA, for example, Clara, you and mm. I did an episode on NASA, you know, these kind of quite obvious influences. Then there are the kind of little ones, uh, sometimes quite obscure movies that were inspiring episodes that you might not even uh, realise were kind of borrowed or, or, or riffing on something. Um, and that's always a pleasure to dig into those and kind of work out oh i see okay now i get where this is coming from now i sort of 
have a different, sometimes better, sometimes slightly worse appreciation of the Star Trek episode, but definitely a different uh, appreciation of it. I think I think you and I, I think reached our peak when we did an episode about Brigadoon, and <laughs> <laughs> and we spent we had to watch Meridian. Tony, with, I, I think you mean Brigadoon. Brigadoon. <laughs> Hey, Brigadoon! <laughs> I mean, yeah, that was. Uh, if I never watch Meridian again, you know, it won't be. It won't be too soon. I, t- I tell you no. though, I, I think I, when as you guys were talking, then I, I tell you an episode. I think really knocked my socks off. It, it, it's not a, um, a a TV one, but the one you guys both did on the pandemic and critical care a few months ago. I thought that was fantastic. As a listener, I felt like I learned so much, and it was a great conversation about you know not not just what we were going through at that point you can't get more of a timely kind of podcast i think than that because we were right in the middle of the lockdown and the intensity of it and you know for posterity we're sort of recording now as a second semi weird maybe sort of lockdown here and there is sort of happening in the second wave and all this but back then it was in the summer you know it was it was really interesting to listen to that so i think you know i, I think there were episodes that if you, as well as the TV or the fun ones or the the light-hearted ones, there's some fantastic conversations that I don't really think you get in many other places, to be honest. Yeah, I don't think there's another sort of television franchise that you could do this with either. Like, I'm not sure you could do a podcast like this where you look at all these different influences, like historical, sociological, mm. psychology, you know, um, history, but also... Um, like literature as well we've done quite a lot of episodes mm. on literature like this is the podcast that kind of forced me like to read Gilgamesh and Beowulf <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean forced me to reread Beowulf and then watch the doctor enact Beowulf which was painful but forced me to read Gilgamesh which I'm probably sure I might never have got around to which would be shameful but I don't know if there's any other tv series that you could do that with like mm-hmm. I just don't think you know I mean most other tv franchises have some sort of common theme you know or i mean i guess you could do a little bit with the x files but even the x files it has this common overarching storyline whereas Mm. as we know with star trek it's all it's different almost with every particular like evolution of it you know now we have discovery which is a completely different type of new type of star trek and um even something like lower decks you know is a completely different type of star trek that was interesting because one of the things that you wanted us to watch for this episode was these are the voyages um the mm. last episode of the yeah series. i'm sorry guys you know <laughs> <laughs> apologize i don't for putting mind that, on the that. List, i don't you know. mind it so much a lot of people hate it but i actually thought the script mm. was quite interesting and i thought there was one line bear in mind i haven't seen it in years so it was actually not too bad watching it again but there's <laughs> one line in it where trip says or maybe it's malcolm who basically whines throughout the entire episode but malcolm says something like it won't be the same about the enterprise there'll be another enterprise and he's mm-hmm. like but it won't be the same and trip's like but that's okay it won't be the same yeah. and i sort of felt like that line was a perfect line for star trek today because it's all star trek it's just different star trek so mm. I think you've got years left of primitive culture to analyse everything else that's coming up. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. Well, who knows? Will we get to, you know, I mean, we've been doing this about, I think it's about four years, something like that now. I don't know. Somewhere between three and four years. Mm. Uh, 
Will we get to, you know, season seven? I don't know. <laughs> no promises. But, you know, we'll, we'll keep on going for a little while anyway, for mm. sure. Well, with that in mind, I thought, yeah, I thought there was a few episodes that we could kind of maybe touch on. And I'd be interested just to hear your sort of thoughts on these. First of all, I thought we'd look at the three series that have been fortunate enough to get to 100 episodes. And there's only three. It's only Next Gen, DS9 and Voyager that actually hit that mark. Now, I'm not really convinced that any of them exactly celebrated with a particularly special episode. Possibly Voyager, it feels like, is the one that's the closest to doing something special with that point. But I was quite struck. All three of them, I think, managed to put out absolute bangers of an episode for their 100th episode. So the three I've got in mind are Redemption, part one for Next Generation, The Ship for DS9, and Timeless for Voyager. And it just struck me in some ways, all three of those episodes uh, embody really a lot of what is absolutely central and brilliant about those respective shows. And I don't know if that's just a coincidence or if someone had an eye on, you know, the fact that this was episode 100 coming up. I'm sure they had a party and a cake and all that sort of thing. (laughs) But I just think it's quite interesting that those are three, you know, if you wanted to introduce people to those three series, those would be, you know, some pretty great episodes to show them. It's funny though, because because Redemption, is it Redemption part one or part two that's not episode number? It's part one, I think, is the hundredth, yeah. Although again, it probably depends if you count, you know, Encounter at Farpoint as one or two. <laughs> and I'm not, I mean, you know, you'd probably need Larry Nemechek here to, he had like, some whole system in his, yeah. uh, in his next gen companion, didn't he, for like numbering them and so on. Yeah. But, but I think it's part one is the one that's generally considered to be the hundredth episode. Yeah. Well, I mean, that. That, that one could in some sense be coincidental given it ties in with a season finale and they always back then, mm. and particularly back then, they'd throw the kitchen sink, wouldn't they, at a season finale, you know, back in the days of this yeah. kind of storytelling and the way they used to uh, produce shows. So did they go into that thinking this is the 100th, we need to celebrate it with, you know, the Klingons, with Civil War, with, you know, the return of... Of Denise Crosby and and this and Sela and you know all these, so it's like it does make you wonder. I don't know. It feels like it might have been a little bit of a happy accident with that one. It just as as you say, it just turns out that it's it's a really impressive piece of TV that touches on all the like all the best bits about TNG. You know that measure of diplomacy, adventure. You know, exploration, just through it, all, all, all that. It's sort of got all of that sort of mixed in in its own little way. So yeah, it's whereas the other, particularly Voyager, like you say, that's the one that really feels like it's trying to celebrate something. Whereas, and maybe the ship, the ship's a funny one in that sense, isn't it? Because it's it's not necessarily a celebratory, you know, here we are kind of episode. It's just a really, really cracking piece of drama. So that, I suppose they all come at this from different different approaches, don't they? And maybe it's more intentional in, in others than, than than some. I don't know. I absolutely love the ship. It's the perfect Deep Space Nine episode. It's dark. It's bleak. It's a kind of downer. It's doing really high emotional stakes. It's doing this drama really, really well. But I also think it plays a really key role in the series because I think it kind of prefigures the whole Dominion War arc and the whole, mm. everything that DS9 is going to do going forward, you know, from the end, because this is early fifth season, uh, for the sort of latter part of that series is in that episode somehow. It's, it's almost like a perfect microcosm of how this story is going to play out. It's going to be 
kind of tragic. It's going to be kind of bleak. It's going to be, there are going to be shades of grey. There are going to be regrets. There are going to be people, people doing things that maybe they shouldn't have done. There's going to be losses. I don't know. It, it feels almost like if you wanted to sort of stake a claim to like, okay, this is what this show is going to be going forward, or this is what this show can do. That is a brilliant episode uh, to show that. So again, I mean, I think it's probably coincidental that that was the hundredth episode, but for me, it's like, it's the perfect Deep Space Nine episode because it, mm. it has all of that in spades. And then Voyager, obviously you're right, you know, literally uh, opens with them swigging champagne, confetti, <laughs> you know, it's kind of a little bit more obvious there. There's like, there's something kind of special going on, but again, it's the perfect Voyager episode. It's high concept yeah. science fiction. You know, that's what for all its faults and, you know, certainly, Tony, I know you have some issues with Voyager. I have a few issues with Voyager. But the thing they really did well, I think, was these kind of high concept sci-fi episodes. And Timeless is an absolutely brilliant example of that. I think all three episodes also showcase the captain. So, like, mm. the redemption really showcases Picard's, like, involvement with the Klingon Empire, but also his diplomacy skills and his sort of, I think I would say his confidence in his decisions and his kind of, like liaising with his crew and then the ds9 episode the ship really showcases like um cisco's ability to fight under pressure and make hard choices and you know that he's going to just have to continue to make more and more hard choices as you know the situation gets worse and worse with the dominion and then the third one is slightly different i know because most of it like janeway is not really in it as much as like Chakotay and Kim but um it also shows her like really excited about science I mean she's more excited about an engine than almost anyone I've ever seen and I know it's the engine that's <laughs> going to get them home but it's also that she's a science geek you know yeah. and she's really into yeah. sort of technology and 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 um engineering so part of that I think is is showcasing the three captains and their different respective personalities which is quite important yeah it, it ta- timeless I think actually if if more episodes of Voyager had been along the quality level of Timeless, I think it would have been just a far better show. I think that's a really great episode of Star Trek and, and mm. you know, one of the best Voyager episodes for me. Not just because it's quite special and it's just, you know, they're just throwing everything at it and, you know, they're destroying the ship and it's crashing on a planet and all this kind of thing. And, the, you know, time travel and all that. But it's, you know, and Geordie. Geordie's in that as well, isn't he? He just crops mm-hmm. up and this kind of thing. I think... It's a great example of, as you say, this high concept celebration of having reached a milestone, of having got to a point where they've completed it. And maybe the other, I wonder if they they maybe didn't take it as much for granted with Voyager, you know, by that point. I don't know. I mean, you know, I think with TNG, they just, you know, it was it was riding high in the ratings. They knew they were going to go for for seasons by that point. DS Nine. I know it wasn't quite as super popular ratings-wise, but I think they just assumed by that point, that was at Star Trek at its peak, wasn't it, on television? So you got Voyager still on as well and all this kind of thing. Maybe, I don't know, by the time Voyager's coming along, maybe they felt like it, it was a bit more of something they should celebrate, doing this many episodes, getting to this point. And especially, you know, it's quite... It means more in the sense that Enterprise didn't wasn't able to reach that milestone in the end, you know. And had they done that, would they have got? Would they have done something special as well? I imagine they probably would, and they would probably found a way yeah. to do it. They got so close; they got to like ninety eight or something on Enterprise. Oh yeah, they, they did, didn't they? Yeah, <laughs> that's it really probably, cruel. It <laughs> is. It is. They could have, you know, they should have given two more episodes. They should do a comeback. <laughs> well, yeah. there you go. Yeah, they, they should. Do a comeback. Yeah. 
yeah, give them a short track or two and they yeah. can you know yeah it's like abba didn't abba famously recorded like 97 songs or something and then you know recently they were saying you know we, we really should get together and do another three so you know got the century basically to finish yeah. it off there you go yeah. yeah 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 bring back enterprise for a little mini series yeah definitely absolutely i just think by then they'd reached a point where there they, they they felt like it was a celebratory thing and maybe earlier on mm. they just didn't think they needed to sort of do that or or maybe they did it's it's hard to say really well it's interesting i mean you know you said with next gen maybe redemption slightly passed that by because it was a season finale and everything as well and they were kind of riding high an episode that they did apparently celebrate was the episode legacy which was the 80th episode of next gen and the reason for that uh was that you know famously the original series had gone to 79 episodes and that was the point where the show had surpassed you know, mm. uh, whatever the expression is, you, you know, when the child out outdoes the parent <laughs> or whatever, you know. Yeah. I mean, this this spin-off that basically, you know, famously Patrick Stewart didn't unpack his bag because they thought <laughs> it was just about stringing, you know, I don't know, a season or two out so that they could do this syndication package with the original series actually reached this point where it was more successful than the original mm. series, at least in terms of the number of episodes. And I think you're right, by that point, or maybe, I don't know, by that, pro- probably by that point, even by the point of Legacy, was you know critically acclaimed incredibly popular you you know was lightning had struck twice it was this kind of unbelievable success story uh and certainly that's an episode where apparently at the end of filming they had a big party uh and a cake and all this sort of thing to kind of celebrate the fact that they'd reached this milestone appropriately with this episode called legacy in a (laughs) way uh which is not i wouldn't say you know it's a good episode i guess you know it's perfectly decent episode it's not a particularly special episode but obviously for them, there was this kind of, uh, you know, it was symbolic. It was a bit like, mm-hmm. I suppose, you know, I was saying like the child out, out surpassing the parent. Uh, the darker side of that is the the children who become obsessed with mortality when they reach the age that their, you know, parents died. So my mum has a friend, for example, who... Uh, his father died of a heart attack at the age of, you know, 65 or whatever. And when he was yeah. kind of 64, he was getting in a complete state about this. And then... Once he got to sixty six or whatever, he was like, "Well, that's fine. It's great. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to live forever. It's sunny, yeah. basically. Exactly. I'm, I'm immortal. Effectively, I'm, I'm basically immortal. <laughs> yeah. This sort of sense of like, you, you know, you thought there was a kind of this uh, this dark legacy. You know, you thought there was mm. a kind of cutoff point, and somehow you've you've gone beyond that. Yeah, maybe. I, I, it's interesting though that you, you did they plan it that it would be an episode called Legacy. You know, was was that or was that again just a happy accident? I feel like some of these things with Trek are just in the end happy accidents but even even that episode you know he's and like you say it's it's decent it's not bad it's a fairly you know middle of the road episode but that in itself is sort of looking back isn't it you know it's the whole bring you know invoking it's a, it's about Tashi R in some senses you know that it's it's the it's the ghost of mm. Tashi R haunting that episode um so there's just something strange in that that turned out to be the one that filled that filled that slot i have to say watching it i hadn't watched this one in years did you guys pick up on what I would call um, a Riker manoeuvre. Not the Riker manoeuvre, because it's not the Riker manoeuvre, but a Riker manoeuvre. When later in the episode, towards the final act, when they're sort of storming the base, uh, they're creeping through the corridors, and there's a guy, like a, a guard or whatever, ahead, and Riker jumps out and shoots his phaser. But did you see what he did to do that? He sort of does this with his arm. He goes, like that, and I've just sort of flung my arm to the <laughs> right. Sort of- Right. 
honestly, watch style almost. Oh, it yeah, it is amazing. I would <laughs> encourage anyone to go and look at that Riker maneuver. I've never seen a phaser fired quite that expressively before. It's I amazing. sort of feel like flinging your arm out like that might give an indication to the person or the person that you're going to shoot. <laughs> I feel like I feel like it's a bit like you know, like I'm going to shoot. Oh, and now I've shot. It was, you know, yeah, I mean, yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> it was extremely theatrical, I have to say, right, and all the better for it. Uh, the director, I think, just must have said to Jonathan Frakes, "Just have fun with this, <laughs> like, just jump out." <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. So that it made the episode for me. I'm, I'm going to have to go back and watch this episode again. You know, I missed that on the, this <laughs> recent uh, rewatch the other day. <laughs> I'm going to have to go back and watch it yeah, again. Check it out. But it is, you know, it is, uh, as I say, sort of, I would say, perfectly decent uh, next gen episode. You know, it's got some nice moments in it. Um, but you're right, probably not intentionally written, at least, as a kind of celebratory episode. Unlike uh, the next two episodes, I thought we could look at, and I. I feel bad because I feel these episodes do sort of beg to be compared with each other and it's a very unfair comparison. But these are the 30th anniversary episodes uh, from Voyager, mm. Flashback, and from DS9, Trials and Tribulations. Now, I remember, you know, I was, this was around the time that I was massively into Star Trek uh, growing up. You know, the 30th anniversary was a big deal. These yeah. two episodes were a big deal. Yeah. Uh, this was absolutely thrilling that both these shows were going to be marking the occasion with these very special episodes. It has to be said, I think personally only one of these is a special episode uh, and the other one is really uh, someone flashback. who didn't quite know what it was they were meant to be celebrating yeah exactly yeah, 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 it's yeah. a flash they call it flashback you know i timed it the f- actual flashback doesn't start for 17 minutes in this you know 44 minute episode i mean it's a very very weird one that one i think yeah. and then when it does half of it is rehashing scenes from the undiscovered country Okay, I get that. Obviously, Trials and Tribulations rehashes a lot of scenes from The Trouble with Tribbles uh, with more kind of technical wizardry and so on. But some of these scenes from The Undiscovered Country, if you've seen the film, it's kind of assumed you've seen the film, right? But if you've seen the film recently, the film is very slickly directed. Mm. Uh, It benefits from, you you know, for the actors as well. You, You know, the shooting schedule on a film obviously is much slower. You know, you do less per day you do fewer pages per day or whatever a lot more attention paid to the quality of it and for large parts of this episode they're basically recreating scenes from that film but shot in kind of four by three on a television budget on a television time scale and therefore they're basically it almost feels like a fan film somehow because it doesn't quite uh (laughs) it's not very good like the 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 undiscovered country scenes are not as good as they were in the undiscovered country because they can't reuse the actual scenes that they shot then um and it almost draws attention to the fact that it's this weird kind of facsimile it's it's a it's a very strange one i think Mm. I also think that the characters in it don't act like the characters did in the Undiscovered no. Country. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. Janice Rand is really bitchy. She's awful. And like, as well. yeah. <laughs> she's like Janice, I, I don't know what is going on. There. I completely forgot this episode until I watched yeah. it for this podcast and I yeah. was like, Janice, Jesus. Um, and I also think George, George, not George, Sulu. Oh my yeah. God. Not George, George. Okay, Sulu. Oh my. Um, the same man. They're the same person. Mm. I, th- oh, I also think George, um, not sorry, Sulu. <laughs> Let me get this oh right. my. I also think I think also think Sulu um was like snide and kind of like sort of like abrupt and and I understand he's a captain and it's serious business running a starship, but like he didn't appear like that in the movie. He appeared mm. much more smooth and confident and kind of like charming. And some of the stuff that they've said they said to Tuvok, I guess because it's Tuvok's memories, isn't it? 
So that's mm-hmm. why the characters are acting a certain way, because it's Tuvok hated Starfleet. That's a very generous interpretation, Clara, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like they got the characters wrong, which just yeah. is really odd. Plus also the memory mixing and the two brain patterns of Janeway and Tuvok combining, and then this weird virus that's like mimicking a little girl falling off a cliff. I mean, it's just, no, no. It's no. a bizarre, I mean, it's a bizarre story. Bizarre. It doesn't really, I mean, it does make sense by the end, but like I've seen this episode a few <laughs> times and I even <laughs> didn't though? watch it all that long ago. I can never remember what the resolution of it is because it's so random. So you think it's all about this flashback and going back to this time. Actually, the only significance of this this flashback period is that a guy happened to die who happened to have this thing in his brain and he happened to give it to Tuvok. And it seems that being, you know, in the Delta Quadrant, whatever it is, 50, 100 years later, this thing has kind of reactivated. You don't find that out to like the last five minutes. It's an absolute mess of an episode, mm. I think. Um, and I do think part of it, you were saying they, Clara, they don't act like they did in the film or the characters. I mean, I think partly they don't act like they did in the film because the film was really well written and really tight and really kind of economical and things the other reason it feels kind of like fanfic to me is there's things like there's a whole long scene where Sulu explains to Tuvok why he's going to go and help Kirk and he explains about loyalty and this crew that he served with we got all of that we watched the film Mm. no one questioned the fact that Sulu was going to come and help Kirk you know, even if we know how much George Takei and, and William Shatner don't get on, you know, we kind of have to accept that <laughs> Sulu and Kirk are still friends. We don't need that. It's like totally extraneous. Uh, it's like mm. filling in the gaps, but it's filling in, it's sort of stating the obvious. But there's also maybe an element where, you, you know, if you're saying, Clara, they feel like they're not quite the right characters. Maybe this is fanfic written by someone who is not actually a fan of the thing that they're fanficking. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And I think that's the issue for Bran and Braga, uh, is he, wasn't that keen on the original series. He never watched the original series. You know, unlike with DS9, where you've got these guys who absolutely adored TOS and and relished the opportunity to go back and kind of play in that sandbox. For Voyager, it's it's this weird thing where it's almost like a sort of contractual obligation. Mm. And also, I think, choosing that film... I I, I can see it sort of makes... kind of makes sense on some level. Um, I think, Tony, you and I might have talked about uh, at one point, was there a link to the fact that Tim Russ was in Generations and there was this kind of weird uh, yeah. sense that therefore Tim Russ belongs in the Star Trek cinematic universe, even though it was a different character in Generations mm. and so on. But they'd seen him in that uniform before. So there was this mm. kind of idea that that he could kind of fit in that uh, environment. But it's also a weird one because at the point, you know, of the 30th anniversary uh, when this episode came out, that film's only five years old. This is not, there's not that much nostalgia for a film that's only five years old. You know, mm. I mean, I just about missed seeing it at the cinema. Do you know what I mean? Like it was a fairly recent thing. Mm. So I'm not quite sure. It doesn't really, for me, capture that sense of the magic of kind of going back in time, the magic of engaging with this long storied history of Star Trek in the way that obviously DS9 manages to do with mm. the massive nostalgia <laughs> value of going back you know, to the 1960s, actually going back to the early 90s when it's like 1996 or whatever mm. it is, somehow doesn't have quite the same appeal. No, it's it's weird. In it may maybe it's that they thought they were doing one episode that was going right back to the 60s, so they had to do another episode that was in the you know the more recent flashback sort of Trek 
canon. But then, mm. you know, why not Why not instead try and do something about one of the mid-80s kind of Star Trek movies, if you really wanted to do that kind of thing? Why not tie in what would have become Future's mm. End into the, the, voy- you know, the Voyage Home? Because they're essentially the same kind of story yeah. in many ways. Why not try and mix that up? I don't know. It's like, the, the, I think the difference is with... Trials and Tribulations, and this goes back, I think, Duncan, to you saying about them being fans, you know, and that kind of thing. They, they, Trials and Tribulations added something to the trouble with Tribbles. You know, it actually managed to mm. craft a story around that first episode without you needing to see Trials and Tribulations. You don't have to watch Trouble with Tribbles and then watch Trials and Tribulations. But when you do watch that DS9 episode, it adds something. It sort of, it manages mm-hmm. to take things going on in the DS9 universe. And it's also reverential in that the characters are fans themselves. The characters are actually fans of Kirk and Spock. You know, it is like, it is like th- those guys geeking out, which is really great. And, it, and you're, you can identify with that as, as viewers. Whereas the Voyager one just feels like it, they're trying to wedge a plot into a popular Star Trek movie. Like you say, due to like a tenuous, maybe Tim Ross kind of link ish. And I think that what you talked about, I think I got confused when we talked about this and I thought Tim Russ was in The Undiscovered Country. And I think I said to you, oh yeah, Tuvok was in that. And you're like, no, <laughs> actually, no, he wasn't. So I think that's where that sort of, you know, Mandela effect sort of creeps in and that you don't quite know like what, what the reality is. And I just feel like that's what it was. It was, Flashback just felt forced in a way that Trials and Tribulations felt like a real tribute and a real, mm-hmm. you know, love letter and a celebration. And it's maybe, maybe it just feels like they could have done so many other possible things with Voyager, you know, and, and they, and they had to just wedge it in and it was too difficult to, to make work. It, it, yes. It felt like the two parts, like there was a struggle to kind of blend the two parts. Whereas Trials and Tribulations, you're right, fits perfectly into that original story. And that is quite a difficult thing to do, I think. I actually just yeah. finished watching this new Jurassic Park cartoon, partly because I was kind of curious yeah. about thinking about Star Trek Prodigy and what a Star Trek show aimed at kids might be like mm. and whether that's something that those of us who are not kids but love Star Trek are going to get anything out of. So I thought I'd watch this show, Camp Cretaceous, Mm. uh, which was the show that famously Steven Spielberg apparently said he would allow them to do it, but they had to make it scary. They weren't allowed to pull any punches. The dinosaurs (laughs) had to be terrifying, even if they were animated. And Camp Cretaceous basically takes place simultaneously with the first Jurassic World movie in the same place, but with a a different group of characters. uh, And it kind of intersects uh with that movie and i have to say i mean it's a bit ropey to begin with but it get i'd say it gets better and better i felt by the end of it it was kind of a better story than jurassic world ultimately (laughs) do you know what i mean like i'm not saying it was a better piece of entertainment because obviously the movie has like all the kind of whiz bang special effects and so on but just as a story in exactly that time frame i thought it worked really well and equally I would argue Trials and Tribulations is actually a better episode of Star Trek than The Trouble with Tribbles. I think the mm-hmm. comedy is better. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I like Trouble with Tribbles. I think it's a great episode. It's very charming. Maybe it's partly that some of it feels a little bit dated. I don't mm. know. Some of the comedy, to me, feels a little bit forced. Whereas Trials and Tribulations, I think, is just sublime. It's, you know, every joke lands perfectly. Everyone, yeah. every member of the cast is brilliant. I mean, Avery Brooks, for example, who we think of as quite a kind of serious heavyweight uh, actor and quite kind of, um, you know, a kind of dramatic heavy hitter. 
is brilliant at the comedy in this episode. You know, just this very kind of light touch to Cisco, but this kind of slightly cheeky, slightly embarrassed, slightly kind of uh, almost sort of slightly awkward, uh, mm. y- you know, with the way he plays it with the Department of Temporal Investigations. We <laughs> also, of course, get an X-Files uh, yeah. reference in this episode for you two. Um, I just think it's absolutely, uh, it's it's a remarkable piece of work, both technically and, you, you yeah. know, just creatively, really. I think that one of the things that's good about it is it makes time travel funny. And a lot of the mm-hmm. time travel episodes or the time travel movies, I mean, I wouldn't include The Voyage Home in this because there is a lot of humour in The Voyage Home. But a lot of the time travel stories in Star Trek are not funny. They are serious or they are um, the crew trying to solve a problem um, that has potential effects that are far-reaching and really damaging. And I know they're looking for a bomb in a triple, but you can't help but find it humorous when you see them scanning with tricorders, yeah. old-school tricorders, every single triple, you know, and then throwing them over their shoulders when they can't find the bomb. I just think, like... And then the idea that, like, Dax and Cisco are in the hatch above Kirk mm. and that the tribbles that are actually hitting William Shatner... I know they're not, but hitting William Shatner on the head could be the tribbles that they're tossing yeah. out the hatch. I just think, like, there's just so many details in it that are hilarious. I just think that, I mean, every line, every joke, like you said, lands perfectly. I think one of the things that really freaked me out about these two episodes, though, was I can't keep straight in my head, like, how long people live in the Star Trek universe. The idea that Tuvok is really ancient. <laughs> like, and then the idea that this Klingon spy in Trial and Tribulations basically only looks about 10 to 15 <laughs> years older when he's like 150. Yeah. And the idea that yeah. Dax is basically pretty much had a love affair or had some sort of romantic liaison with every famous man <laughs> in Star Trek because Dax has had so many lives. Yeah. I was like, this is mind-blowing. I can't handle <laughs> like how all these people have lived through Star Trek history. Um, but yeah, I think it's... A brilliant episode. It just, I mean, it makes me laugh out loud every single time. Yeah, yeah. I think Dax in some ways is the key to that episode though, because although you've got, so you've got the kind of fanboy thing with Cisco getting the autograph at the end, you've got kind of everyone, uh, you know, trying to catch sight of Kirk and this kind of mystique of Kirk, which is, which all feels so much more natural in that episode as well than it does in Voyager where you kind of have Janeway giving a speech about, you know, oh, what rogues they were and, you know, wouldn't it be fun to kind of, (laughs) you know, rise along with them. Um, But Dax is the one who absolutely, because as she says, she lived through that time. She has genuine nostalgia for it. You know, she has, and she can really capture that sense of, obviously as viewers, we have this kind of nostalgia for Star Trek, uh, particularly, I mean, none of us, you know, we're all kind of whatever sort of second, not second generation exactly, but kind of later generation Star Trek mm. fans, if you know what I mean. For those who watched it back in the sixties, that episode must have been even more amazing and, and kind of mind blowing in various ways, but you can kind of understand it also because they draw attention to the fashions and so on, almost as this sense, because the way she puts it, it's not, you know, she wasn't serving on the Enterprise. It's not that she was kind of into Star Trek in that sense. It's that she has this attachment to that era and the clothes and the kind of, um, I don't know, the kind of the, the sensibilities of that era. And we can sort of relate to that in a way as that kind of more ordinary nostalgia if you know what I mean as in like you know we might have nostalgia for the 90s and 90s music and 90s fashions and all these sorts of things because that's kind of when we were growing up uh, and for Dax there's this real sense it feels like she's kind of saying wow the 60s were like 
the best time mm. <laughs> you know everyone had so much fun it was great you know as you say clara she you know seemed to be uh, <laughs> getting entangled with various uh you know young dr mccoy and you, you know etc <laughs> you know there's this kind of sense of like this was truly a golden era uh in a way not just for star trek but for kind of within in universe uh sort of federation history this was a great time it's funny though because you now you think of the kind of star trek we're getting these days and almost all of it feels like this kind of episode you know th- there's mm. so many now callbacks or references or links to the older gen you know 60s and 90s now eras of star mm. trek it almost feels like it's diluting the fun of these kind of things. You know, that getting something like Trials and Tribulations was just a, oh, wow, this is great. This is just, you know, and I don't know if that's going to feel quite the same anymore because they're building entire mm. shows around this kind of nostalgia, you know, and these kinds. So, you know, will you even get a milestone episode in quite the same way? I, I feel like the only show now that might be able to do that is something like Lower Decks. You know that actually is all about sort of recapturing that kind, those kind of old eras. But it is also doing its own thing. It is also trying to be its own little thing at the same time. I think so. I just, I just wonder mm. if the, the 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 kind of milestone celebratory episode is going to be harder to do in the future because Star Trek is very much right now, at least, and it all depends on where everything goes. But right now, it is sort of living in the past. You know, in a yeah. way that the 90s shows weren't. The 90s shows were their own no. thing. And they did have lots of, yeah. don't get me wrong, they did have lots of references and they had characters pop up, you know, in all the different shows at various points. But it wasn't about that. It was it was different. So it's just interesting. Has, you know, are, are we post the milestone celebratory episode now? I don't know. It, it, it's a shame if we are, because these these kind of episodes in all these different ways were really special. And what would it be if we if we got it? Because I mean, they must be heading towards, I guess, episode eight hundred. Maybe are they going to get to a thousand? That's going to take a long time mm. with the shorter seasons yeah. they do now. It's true. Uh, we had the fiftieth anniversary. I mean, we can talk about that in a minute, maybe. But you know, Star Trek was not on TV then, sadly. So there was a limit mm. to how much they could do to mark. You know, we didn't get the the next version of you, you know what we got for the thirtieth. And equally, the 40th, I guess, passed by, you know, for the same reason, because uh, Enterprise had just been cancelled, I guess, then. That was not a time that anyone was going to be celebrating anything much. What will the next kind of landmark be? Uh, But you're right. I suppose, you know, at the moment we're getting, uh, you know, next-gen landmarks, Voyager landmarks. It was DS9 landmarks. You know, we were all there for the the anniversary of DS9 Mm -hmm. and and the documentary coming out and so on. But those are being marked by... The Picard series, but mm. Janeway is getting her own. You, you mm. know, okay, it's not a Janeway series mm. exactly, but she's getting her own comeback series. Basically, mm. they are bringing these characters back. But I suppose rather than trying to, other than with Lower Decks, which is sort of in the world of Next Gen and is kind of mm. doing that nostalgia thing, it's much more about bringing these characters forward into our own bleak, miserable, mm. <laughs> wretched, <laughs> you know, grown-up yeah. world. Hellscape. Yeah. Uh, which is very, yeah, unnostalgic. yeah. But I think one of the downfalls of this, the new stuff that they're doing, which is something that Trials and Tribulations balanced really well, um, but was not balanced so well in these are the Voyages, the Enterprise finale, is that um, there's a danger in 
um, exploring the backstories of every single character. I think that's one of the things that they did with Discovery. And I really, really like um, the portrayal of Pike. I think he's mm. portrayed very well. I like the actor. I like the portrayal of Pike. I admit that we probably haven't got that much information on Pike, so we could probably explore his backstory. And I'm always up for more Spock. But I've, I must admit, it's a real fangirl thing of wanting to see more Spock. I'm not sure it's necessarily the most creatively wise decision. And the reason why I say that is because... And it's the same thing with these other voyages. Like, you know, you have Riker as a chef talking to all the characters about their, you know, feelings and thoughts. And, 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 and it's, it's just exploring the backstory of every single character. Like he was mm. saying, Tony, it does be, kind of become a bit samey after a while. And it takes some of the specialness mm. away from it. And in Trials of Tribulations, they, they, they went onto the Enterprise. You know, they're on the Enterprise and you saw Kirk and Spock, you saw Scotty and McCoy. But the characters didn't walk up to them and ask them about how they feel mm, to live on yeah. the Enterprise or how they feel about Tribbles. Yeah. Whereas now, if they were making that now, yeah. you know, would they have an episode of Discovery like that where Burnham, you know, goes on to, I don't know, Archer's ship and, you know, sort of, you know, quietly does something without talking directly to Archer? They wouldn't have that. No. Archer would have to meet Burnham. Mm. They'd have to discuss mm. it at length. Like, it's basically... Very much now is like we're going to show you everything. We're not going to leave anything to mystery, mm. you know. Um, and in a way, I think that's kind of one of the problems with the um, Voyager episode with with Sulu is that they had Sulu acknowledge Janeway and kind of the the, the characters from the past were too involved with the characters from the present. And really, when you're watching. Voyager should be the Voyager crew that you're paying attention to. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Definitely. and that's that's kind of the problem with Discovery is we we weren't paying attention to Discovery crew. We're paying mm. attention to the Enterprise mm. crew. Mm. Yeah, and yeah, that means the Discovery crew's storylines suffer. And I think that's one of the ways in which the DS9 episode got it right. But maybe some of these. Um, anniversary episodes or some of the future Star Trek that's coming out is kind of getting it slightly, I wouldn't say getting it wrong because everybody, you know, mm. likes what they like mm. and there's no harm in that. But maybe it's creatively stifling like the franchise a bit. Mm. Well, I think you're right that the, that Trials and Tribulations, you know, it plays to the strengths of the DS9 cast. You know, you've got great comedy from well, all of them in their various ways. You're not, You've got this stuff with Bashir and O'Brien that's very uh, funny and kind of charming and a bit silly. You've got the stuff with Cisco that's quite sort of sweet. You've got, you know, Dax. That They've all sort of got something to contribute. And it's a good episode uh, for all of them. Even Odo and Worf sort of get a little moment. I think you're right. Flashback, it's not a great Janeway episode. It's not a great Tuvok episode. Even Tuvok doesn't actually do all that much. Uh, it, you know... If it was a really fantastic episode of the Star Trek Excelsior series that we never got, maybe that would be okay. Maybe we'd kind of accept that the Voyager crew are sort of just a bridge to showing Sulu and everything. But they, that part of it kind of fails slightly as well. I think there's sort of this sense that Deep Space Nine manages to celebrate both Deep Space Nine itself, its own show, and the original series show. Voyager doesn't quite manage that. And I think these are the Voyages fail spectacularly in that respect <laughs> because it's a terrible yeah. episode of Star Trek Enterprise and it's a terrible mm. episode of The Next Generation <laughs> as well. It doesn't, it doesn't make sense in terms of The Next Generation. It doesn't fit within that episode very well. It, it, it's totally bloated and unnecessary as this kind of subplot that we never yeah. saw 
you know, if Trials and Tribulations is the kind of, like you say, Clara, is the sort of what's just off screen in The Trouble with Tribbles, you know, what's above the hatch, what's kind of around the corner, etc. But tells an interesting story in its own right. The next gen stuff in These Are the Voyages feels completely random. It's not helped by the fact that, you know, particularly Jonathan Frakes just cannot play that age you know he cannot convincingly look like he's 10 years younger or whatever he's supposed to be and they can't really square that so it looks very it looks very fake the next gen Mm. stuff looks fake partly just Mm. because his face looks fake uh you know sorry if that sounds kind of harsh but but that's the fact of the matter (laughs) they should have have thought about that it's true at least they had data in voiceover so you and you buy that you're like oh yeah that's data you know that feels like data from next gen that's because we don't have to see his face um (laughs) but it also just spectacularly fails to serve enterprise to the extent that this was the episode where you know apparently scott Bakula, the nicest man in the world you know stormed into brannon braga's office and 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 said what the expletive is this but <laughs> like, you know you really want us to film that this is our final episode are you serious you know because it's a terrible episode for them and the enterprise characters do kind of weird random things often there are scenes where they just feel quite sort of badly acted to me they feel quite sort of stilted and i don't know if it's because you've got kind of Riker there watching them or 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 what it is that's going on but they it just feels very odd there's a really kind of uncanny sense of it they can't decide this is supposed to be what six years in the future or something they can't decide whether everyone is supposed to be exactly the the same as if it's the next you know as if six years makes no difference other than they've got the patches on their uniforms uh jeffrey combs is the only one who seems like he's playing his character slightly differently and even there it's a little bit unclear how different it is you know there's no attempt to kind of age them up or to kind of make anything of this passage of time i have to say i i in my notes i made notes on all these episodes and i've only got one word for these are the voyages which is ah <laughs> because that is my every time i've seen that episode and i know some you, clara you were saying you thought it wasn't so bad this time around i mean i've i've yet to have an experience of watching that episode where i had that response of oh this isn't as bad as i expected it's always worse than i remember um because as much as there are moments in it that are nice, <laughs> it just is so frustrating. It's just such a frustrating episode. Yeah. And people always say, oh, if it had been just a random season four episode, it would have been okay. I don't think that's true. I actually, I think it would have been like a two star random episode. But the fact that it's trying to be a finale as well is just, you know, it's embarrassing, really. I think one of the main problems is it's got the Downton Abbey effect. So I apologise to anyone who's listening to this who's a big fan of Downton Abbey, but I think Downton Abbey is some of the worst television <laughs> written and made. All right, so just going to lay that out there right now. The first season of Downton Abbey, Lord Grantham, right? No offence to Hugh Bonneville, because I don't think it's his fault. But Lord Grantham says something about the First World War. He's standing there, war has just been declared, and he turns and he sort of looks at everyone standing there with him and says, things are never going to be the same. And we just know people didn't think that yeah. at the start of World War One. We know they didn't think it. They all thought it'd be over like Christmas, like supposedly the pandemic would be, right? We all like, the, you know, like, oh, it's only going to be a few months, right? But we know they didn't yeah. think that. And there's like lines in These Are The Voyages where like Trip says something like, well, I just, I thought, you know, I was going to last. Or, like he can foresee his own death, mm-hmm. you know, just things that people wouldn't say. You know, but it's like I've got some sort of foreknowledge of something's happening on the horizon. And I'm like, but he's not supposed to know that he's going to die. It's not supposed to, you know. And I don't understand why Scott Bakula like lost his mind because he had the most important speech of all time to make. 
in that episode, right? The beginning of the Federation, the start of the Federation, his amazing speech that he was going to make, right? That everyone learns in school and they cut him off and the credits roll. And they're like, they're like, what? Yeah. Can we be bothered to write this speech? (laughs) Nah. You know, we can't can't be bothered. If you were were being charitable, I suppose some of the... (laughs) uncanniness of this could be down to the idea that this is a hollow program recording and maybe some of the details are off or some are wrong mm-hmm. but that's been really charitable <laughs> the reality is it, the actors involved were probably like this is crap why are we like you know and they just couldn't really get into it um mm. and like you say poor writing lazy writing because the whole thing of it was described wasn't it as being a celebration of the 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 next generation era the run from 87 to 2005, essentially, this this 18-year Star Trek always on TV run, and they wanted to celebrate that as an overall thing. But it's just such a weird way of doing that when you've got... you For one thing, on the show that's the furthest back and the furthest away from that era than, than any other show. Like, you know, it's it's so removed from the Next Generation era and from all those kind of things that to actually not end this on the Federation's rise properly, like you say, cutting him off halfway through his speech. He's mad. It's truly bonkers. And you do think, like, why would you sacrifice that? Why would you, even if you've got a truncated, you're not getting your seven seasons, you're not going to be able to show the Romulan War and do all these things, Mm. build up to the Federation properly. Why would you not just do an episode that, a bit like, have you guys seen Babylon 5? I think, yeah, yes. a bit like Sleeping in Light at the end of Babylon 5, where it skips forward to the future, mm. you know, and you do some sort of, you know, they could have easily done that with Enterprise and celebrated the the end of that show with the Federation's b- rebirth and then have do some flashback stuff to earlier, all the, the Romulan War, the things you missed. Do a cracking two-part episode, maybe. Finish it off that way. But no. Mm. <laughs> you do, they, they, in this weird thing of, of, of wrapping up an era which is very strange and very tricky to do. And they don't pull yeah. it off. <laughs> you know, they don't, they know. And the weird thing is, I think even if they had gone to seven seasons, I think this would have been the finale. I think however long Enterprise ran, <laughs> probably it's going to be the finale because they, yeah. I think they'd written it and they, or they at least drafted it or plotted it out before. I think before they even started the fourth season, I think a, a bit like, I mean, Babylon five had a similar thing, I think with that episode, mm. didn't they, that it was kind of held over from the fourth yeah. season to the fifth for, or, for year, or yeah. something. Uh, Cause they got an extra year that they weren't expecting. Yeah. I think this was Berman and Braga's idea of how this show was going to end. I have to say, I wondered watching it, it crossed my mind and I don't know. And you know, I don't want to cast dispersions exactly. Uh, although I'm, I'm sure neither of them would exactly be defending this episode at this stage, but it made me wonder, when you see Enterprise episodes that are written by the two of them, we know Brandon Braga is a brilliant writer. We don't, I can't think if there's an episode that Rick Berman wrote on his own, or if we know much about him. Well, obviously, we know him as a producer. Mm. Do we know much of him as a writer? I couldn't help thinking, did he just let Rick Berman write this one? <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, and it didn't get the kind of like second pass or whatever Maybe. that was supposed to improve it a bit. You're right, Tony, there is a possibility that we can put all this down to a faulty holodeck program and obviously in the novel verse there's this whole thing about how this this story is inaccurate and actually yeah. trip didn't die and, and, and it can be rewritten and so on i think it's a really weird holodeck program because i think obviously we have the idea of hollow novels are interactive but i suppose the idea of an interactive hollow novel is that you can to some extent change the outcome can't you mm. so even say the the alman bashir storyline 
I guess you can succeed or fail, but you can succeed in different ways. Like a lot of computer games, you can you can win this way, you can win that way, you can kind of you, know, you can have mm. slightly different outcomes depending on how you play and so on. When it's a historical document, it is a bit more tricky because they have this. He keeps switching between objective mode and subjective mode, which basically means whether he's allowed to interact with them or not. So the objective mode, you get the sense he's basically just wandering around a bit like Janeway is in flashback, to be honest, sort of observing stuff and she can't really affect anything. Uh, okay, that kind of makes sense. But then once he's interacting with them, there's this weird sense that he actually can affect the story, which makes no sense uh, mm. if you think of this as this historical record. And we see that because when he has this conversation with, um, it's either Trip or T'Pol, maybe it's T'Pol and he asks... He basically asks them, you know, because he clearly, like an Enterprise fan, is like shipping Trip yeah. and T'Pol and wants to know, you know, why did they break up and do they ever think of each other and so on. And then later on, we get this scene in the shuttlecraft where um, they have this kind of heart to heart moment of like, you know, have we, you know, do you still think about me and all this stuff, which clearly only happens because Riker has said that to them. Now, that kind of creates this whole weird question of like, well, how much of this is history and how much of this is a, is a program playing out? Because if he can have a conversation with someone which actually affects how they behave in a subsequent scene, then could he screw up the whole thing? Could he, mm. you know, get Archer to write a different speech? Could he, do you know what I mean? Could he mm. save Trip? Uh, mm. You know, to what extent is that a historical program if he can actually influence the outcome of it? Mm. it Ultimately, though, I don't think it makes sense. I think that's, you know, another problem with this episode. I'm not sure that the Holo program makes sense. It's different from any holodeck program we've ever seen in Star Trek before. And it, although it seems to have its own rules and it kind of puts them up on screen and makes them quite in your face and obvious, even on its own terms, I'm not sure that it quite hangs together. Mm. Even my husband, right, who's not a massive expert on Star Trek... <laughs> I mean, who is except for us? You know? But um, he's, he's there are not, probably he's a few not, people not, around the globe. Clara, just one, one or two. Yeah. Title, but, you, know. <laughs> you know, he's not cute, uh, like kind of clued up on like you know canon and history and everything. He said, um, he said about Troy and uh, Riker. He said, "Oh, so they're married at this point, right?" And I was like, "No, not at this point." He's like, <laughs> "They're acting like they're married," and I'm like, "He's like, don't, don't they get married? They get married. They're married, right? Aren't they married?" I'm like, "Yeah, but not." in this point in Star Trek history mm. and that was another thing Troy and Riker aren't acting like each other and their relationship's no. not acting no. but like you you make a valid point about Trip and Paul. like what like how important is it for historical record to find out whether or not Trip and Paul are missing each other like I am all in favour of interspecies <laughs> relationships in Star Trek you know Vulcans <laughs> humans Tellarites Klingons whatever whatever makes you happy right but I don't think that the historical records would be this in depth to cover some, uh, like a sort of ex-boyfriend and girlfriend's <laughs> conversation in like a, a shuttlecraft. But if they are, how freaking terrifying is that? That yeah. means like everything you do in Starfleet, who you sleep with, who you don't sleep with, any emotional relationships you have, is all covered by historical record. <laughs> you know? I mean, like, I was like, this is horrifying that Riker knows what went on between the two of yeah. them. Like, how is that a matter of historical record? Well, this is weird. This sort of raises all these questions. Like for for lower decks, okay. Obviously, in lower decks, everyone in lower decks has seen has seen next gen. You you know, is familiar with all those stories. They know what happened. They've read the logs. Do they know about the time that Riker slept with Roe because they couldn't remember who each other was? Do they? Do you you know what I mean? Like, do they? Do they know which holo programs people were running uh, and and when? I mean, you know how 
how deep is this kind of invasion of privacy? Because we see Boimler in Lower Decks um, accessing the personal logs of the crew in order to create his uh, weird holodeck, uh, <laughs> you know, version of reality. Do they have this going back all the way? I mean, mm. you know, I don't know. Yeah, it's you're weird. Right, it raises. I mean, I think start, the Federation has some potentially weird kind of privacy issues, uh, but this definitely <laughs> brings up. But also, I just sort of, I have to say, I sort of wondered, like, I can kind of get if it's known that they had this doomed tragic romance and they had the baby that died and all this stuff. And I can sort of see that's something that might, that would be a matter of public record because it ties into the sort of story. You, you know, it's say in Terra Prime uh, of, of what's going on. I can see that people reading history might think, oh, that's, you know, that's, that's an engaging sort of story or whatever. I don't know, though. It's, it's, it still seems weird, like, there's something strange about it. It's something kind of, it, it just feels wrong. I, d- I don't know. Like I, I can sort of get it on one level. I can get, you know, if Troy was coming in and saying, Oh, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know how they could sell that. I, f- I feel like there is a way they could sell that, but they don't do it. If you know what I mean. But, it, but it's because uh, it doesn't it, make it sense. It assumes it's, but it's also that it assumes <laughs> like, that everyone is as invested in it as the presumed enterprise viewer is who's presumably yeah. pretty pissed right. off that they've just said oh it's six years since we last went out okay at the end of the previous episode okay they had this you know tragic experience but they were together they were kind of sharing a moment together etc their, their relationship seemed quite strong we've just been told oh yeah that never happened yeah we mm. you know we split up whatever you know forget but, about it and, but it presumes that somehow that we don't even need a sort of explanation of the fact that Riker yeah. is really invested in this or cares about this or interested in this you know but this is why it's a cheat, and this is why when you say that, you know, it doesn't make any sense, it's exactly the point, in that this is an episode entirely constructed around the real-world production aspects in the sense that Enterprise was being cancelled, and they had what they thought was this genius idea of trying to, you know, do both, of trying to actually appease all the people who were just pining a little bit for the next-gen era, and also all the all the Enterprise fans who wanted to see the show conclude, and they end up doing neither very well because they're so weirdly wedged together in order to celebrate two things at once that don't in any way combine. And I think that's one of the reasons you're having to think of, we're having to think about all these intricacies and all these weird things that crop up because in reality, if things had gone correctly, they would have done these these moments and actually told these stories with these characters properly a proper conclusion you know whether or not they would have been able to do all this in two one or two episodes probably not of of a normal enterprise story it would have been difficult to wrap everything up but they could have done things differently and made it more logically dramatic and just had it about those characters those enterprise characters feels like as well this is almost a little bit of a sign of what we will later get with star trek beyond this point which is entirely about looking back at previous eras and previous characters like we've talked about you know because the next one obviously is the the abrams reboot universe which is entirely based Mm -hmm. around the past and about rebooting and everything like that so it feels like this is the point where star trek sort of completely breaks from any attempt to to create something completely fresh and original and new without any connections back to the past mm. in order to celebrate picard the- maybe oh without any connect yeah i agree absolutely do you know what i mean connections yeah back to the past yeah yeah yeah, yeah. you're right 
I mean, insofar as even the stuff that's going forward is going forward and taking the past. Exactly. Whether it's Picard, whether it's Janeway, it's taking something, whether it's Lower Decks, which is obsessed with next gen, you're right. It's always dragging something yeah. forward into the future with it. Yeah, mm. I think that's absolutely, it's, it's an interesting point. We're all Riker, basically. You know, Star Trek, <laughs> uh, since this point, <laughs> you know, Star Trek went off the air with, you know, Riker, uh, interposing himself into this episode he has no business being in <laughs> and since then that is the that is the perspective almost we are Riker in yeah. you know whatever it is objective mode uh, and that's kind of what we're getting well Tony you mentioned the JJ verse and I mean yes absolutely the, the JJ verse obviously took us back to this kind of way of another form of nostalgia for the original series but in terms of doing these kind of special anniversary uh, installments, it's really the third JJ, well, not the, the non-JJ, I think he produced it, didn't he? But the, the one that he didn't direct, uh, um, Beyond, which is the movie that mm. kind of happened to fall in the 50th anniversary year. And because, sadly, Discovery didn't air until the following year, it's a shame they couldn't kind of get their mm. act together to, to get that going a bit sooner. Uh, but, you know, it was another anniversary where Star Trek wasn't on the air as a TV show. So Beyond, I think, really took on that mantle of trying to hit the kind of nostalgia fest buttons a little bit like it, it seemed to me there's a real parallel between the way they did it with beyond and the way they did it with skyfall for the james bond franchise which yeah. also was a 50th anniversary film and also kind of dropped in all these little references these little kind of nuggets but definitely beyond seemed like as much as it was a film that you sort of worked on its own terms it was also trying to sort of drop these little nuggets in uh, mm. for the fans as a way of sort of saying yeah we're not doing an anniversary special you know like doctor who for example they did a big you know sort of big spectacular sort of tv movie type special uh but you know we are going to acknowledge that this is uh, at least subtly acknowledge that this is a kind of special moment it's 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 weird actually because beyond like you say it's a bit of both it's like it's the first Abrams verse film that he's trying to maybe be its own beast in many ways, you know, completely, after, especially after Into Darkness, which is great. And it's sort of going, but I remember the trailers and everything. Look at thinking of the trailers and that, thinking about, you know, this is where the frontier pushes back. And I was, oh, we're going to, you know, explore all that kind of thing. And it's, it's basically just like a, a, an action adventure TOS episode, just with a bigger budget that, you know, that whole film. But then it still has these moments, like you say. I mean, the big one is the goose, the goose pimple moment where Spock opens the, the, the envelope or the box or whatever and he sees the, the crew, the original series crew, but from like, T, uh, the undiscovered country or whenever it was and that's a goose pimple mm. moment i think I, I remember thinking oh wow that's amazing especially given a few of them are no longer with us so it's the, the film's almost working on a meta level to some extent those whole films are really aren't they but especially with old spock because that's kind of in the three films you know but he's obviously passed away because leonard nimoy's passed away but mm. you're, you're watching those films with that almost meta knowledge as an audience member of what's come before even though these characters don't really know apart from Leonard Nimoy in those first two films. So it's working on a different level in a way than some of these other celebration episodes are or films and these kind of things while also trying to do its own thing. And I think it's relatively successful in a way. You know, I, I, I think it's, I think it does both quite well. I think in a way I like the fact it's not just a complete, you know, anniversary geek fest that's just massively you're trying to recapture things in the past. I like the fact it's just trying to be as pure a Star Trek sort of adventure movie as as, as it can be. You know, I, I, th I think that's to its credit. And I think um, 
in a way, there, were, there was almost as much going on in the fan fan circles for the 50th as on screen. You know, you had conventions, you mm. had celebrations, you had all podcast like the Trek FM podcast from here to there, from there to here, from there to here, from here to there. There to here, yeah. From there to here. There we go. Um, That'll be the next one for, you know, yeah. another 50 years. <laughs> yeah, the next one. <laughs> so, yeah, you had, you had a real sort of, you know, with the online fan base of Star Trek, which, as we know, is fantastic. You had lots going on in both realms really so i think it was i think it was good even though maybe it would have been great to have a series like you say i think beyond does a good job of celebrating yeah i think beyond does do a good job of celebrating i agree with you that it's it's kind of is its own beast and i think that's one of the reasons why it's the best of the well i mean (laughs) i'm sure people will disagree with me but that's one of the reasons why i think it's the best of the three um kelvin universe reboot Mm. um movies Mm. i think that the second one, Into Darkness, I don't have massive obje- objections to the film. I do enjoy it, but I do recognise that it's kind of rehashing old history. And, and that's kind of a little bit like what happened with, you know, maybe not completely, but kind of happened a little bit with these are these are the voyages um, and also some of the newer stuff. I think what surprises me, and I think Into, such a, Into Beyond sort of proves this point that I'm going to make, is what surprises me is why the creators of Star Trek continually try to bring in um, old characters or um, hark back to to previous previous stories or previous uh, things in Star Trek as sort of like a fan service, and that actually what I think a lot of Star Trek fans would also like is I mean they like that stuff too, but it's almost like cashing in on an audience that have liked something before. So you kind of repeat that thing before or you hark back to that thing before when actually they shouldn't be frightened. I think the Star Trek fans and the world are very, very open to new storylines and new characters. And they've shown that with Discovery and Discovery crew, but as they shoot, they showed that to a certain extent, Star Trek beyond, like I know that it's still Spock and Kirk and McCoy, um, but like Yorktown, you know, Mm -hmm. the, Mm -hmm. is it Yorktown? Yeah. 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 Um, And then Jayla. Jailer, Jailer yeah, exactly. Yeah. A Jay- Jailer's massively popular, and mm. we, you know, we never seen her before. Um, so I sort of think this, this, there is so, there's something to be said for um, uh, producers or, or, or production companies making the decision to um, rehash something. I mean, that they know there's already an audience out there for, right? But the thing about the Star Trek audience is that they're interested in new stories. Mm. I mean, that's the whole nature of like. Star Trek is discovering new worlds and new species and going out and doing new things. There's something kind of curious and exploratory about the fans themselves. So I would be interested to see an anniversary episode a little bit more where they have something completely new and original, Mm, um, but just make it like the best writing you can, the best characterization, the best acting, the best special effects. Like just get, five star of everything and throw it together (laughs) and then like you know put it out there um and i think the fans would be absolutely delighted i think that you shouldn't worry too much about having to always hark back Mm. like an in joke to something that we already know about because we're already we're already here we're already here we're already ready we're already wanting it so give us something new you know and i guess the thing is that um as much as we enjoy those little references and those little nuggets and so on it's not enough to rest on those and i think maybe that's the problem say with something like flashback is that's an episode that is sort of resting on on the goodwill that it's assuming it's going to get from the audience and kind of failing to do anything 
beyond that stuff do you know what i mean and not really managing to craft an interesting story in its own right whereas something uh like obviously trials and tribulations you know is, is doing something much more creative even something like timeless yeah you know tony like you said is just a really great voyager episode yeah. and it would be and it would be on lots of people's top 10 voyager episodes lists even if it was episode 99 or episode mm. 101 or, or you know whatever it is the fact that it's episode 100 is sort of a little extra bow that is kind of tied on the top and that it kind of feels just slightly teased as i say i think by you know the champagne and the confetti and all this sort of stuff that's thrown into it and this kind of air of celebration and the fact that they make it a key episode because they do cut 10 years off the journey Mm. so it is kind of a pivot point for the show in the way that like i sort of argued the ship is kind of a pivot point for ds9 it's something that's kind of saying okay there's what we've done before and here's what we can do going forward there's kind of a sense of like this is a moment of a, a turn or mm. it's, somehow it's kind of a significant moment but that it's really not enough just to do the kind of bells and whistles without having something more to it as much as we enjoy those those kind of extras mm. with that in mind obviously this is our 100th episode i mean i'm aware we've kind of slightly broken our, our format a little bit or at least bent our format in that we're just uh talking about these uh you know random star trek episodes um (laughs) uh i have a little something extra that i want to try um with the two of you you obviously are both very uh key parts of primitive culture you know tony going right back to the beginning clara going back pretty early i think the first episode we recorded together was maybe like episode six or seven something like that quite early on that we uh, recorded at the south bank center it's the first time i think you came on to the show i have got a quiz for the two of you oh. to see which of you will be <laughs> you crowned the ultimate uh, <laughs> former <laughs> primitive culture co-host so we're going to find out uh, how much you remember from these hundred episodes and uh, which of you is going to come out on top so clara, if you're ready this, this is going to be um, brutal clara just it is <laughs> it's really brutal <laughs> fingers on buzzers uh, actually you don't need buzzers to begin with we might need some buzzers later on but i'm, I'm, meep, go- I'm gonna <laughs> i'm gonna ask a couple of questions meep. and whichever of you either gets the answer right or gets closest to the right answer we, we need a star trek is, sound effect yeah we I do know, yeah. Yeah. well you know we'll, we'll see hopefully uh Shh, friends i'm gonna do the soon. doors Mine will do be the door. <laughs> yeah. okay there are a maximum of 20 points, okay. uh, but they're going to be divided between the two of you. And so whoever gets, I'm keeping a tally here, uh, and whoever um, gets the most points wins. Okay, the first question is to both of you. Out of the two of you, who has appeared on more episodes of Primitive Culture? I'll ask Tony first. I think maybe me but by a very small margin. Mm-hmm. Okay, and Clara? Yeah, I would say Tony. Well, you're both wrong. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so you're like, actually, points. it's me! Zero, yeah, so okay, no, I'm not, I'm not counting me. <laughs> out, of the two of you, out of the two of you, I will tell you, Clara has appeared on more episodes of Primitive Culture, which... Uh, uh, surprised me in a way because I was going back. I guess because you know, because Clara, you were a regular co-host for like a that's true for actually. a year, I think, with me. Whereas Tony's been kind of back and forth, and recently mm. Tony's been back more. But um, mm. yeah, see, that's why go. I said yeah. it because I know you guys have recorded recently. Have you Listeners, got the numbers there? Go like, back, check out. Well, yeah, yeah, I have I'm got the numbers here, but this is going to be uh, this the, is the next, next question. Uh, question. Uh, right? Okay. okay so <laughs> you're on. <laughs> 
you're on zero points each so far. Oh, great. But okay. uh, for this oh. question, whoever gets closest is going to get the point. Okay. How many episodes of Primitive Culture has Tony appeared on? Not including this one. I'm not right. This okay. One. Oh. Um, Bearing in mind, they've been ninety. Well, they haven't actually. They've been, as I say, there were a couple of bonuses, so they've been. We just don't know how many there are. I think by this point. Uh, yeah. Oh right. Okay. I'm gonna. I'm gonna guess twenty-two. That's gonna be my guess. Twenty-two. Oh, okay. Wow. And that's quite low. I was gonna guess more. Than that. <laughs> well, Clara, Clara, what's your guess for Tony? How many I'm gonna episodes guess. He's been on? 43. Wow, okay, now I have to do my (laughs) maths. Okay, so the correct answer is 30. Hang on, are we counting two-parters as well? Yeah, I count them as two. Okay. Do you want to change? Does that affect you? How many (laughs) two-parters? I can't even remember anymore. This could be a future future question. I I think off the top of my head, since I was going through our back catalogue earlier today and and some of this is is more fresh than it might be, I think Tony and I have done one two-parter and mm. Clara and I have done two okay. two-parters, I think. Okay. But then Tony and I did two parts. Actually, that's not true because Tony and I have done two parts of our multi-part naming. Does uh, that count, series, though? Does is- that count? I don't well, know if that counts. I'm counting them separate. Like I'm counting like separate it episodes. Do you think I don't so? know if it counts two-parts. Okay. It's not a question. Mm. Anyway, so, <laughs> Tony, you said 22 episodes. Clara said 43. Stop yeah. Yeah. The- splitting hairs. <laughs> The correct answer is 32, which means that Tony by one wow. is closer. So Tony gets the point that is, for that one. Okay. That was close. <laughs> so that's a, that, that's a lot of episodes. Yeah, yeah. It's a lot of episodes. You undersold, you, you under, you undersold I did. yourself there. Yeah. I did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so just just under a third of episodes. Okay. Now, Clara, so, bear in mind, you, you know that yours is higher than 32 because <laughs> I've already told you that. How many episodes do you think you've appeared on? I'm going to say all 100. Um, <laughs> you were always there, Clara, uh, okay. even when you weren't. Yeah. Uh, always. always. Like, like a ghost. Like a ghost. Um, let me think. Um, so he was 30, what? He was 32. He was 32. Hmm. I'm going to say like 42. Mm, okay. 42. Okay. And Tony, how many episodes do you think Clara was on? I think I'm going to go for I'm going to go for the late 40s, 48 maybe something like that. 48, right? Okay. Well, Clara wins the point because the correct answer is 36. Ah, so there's only okay. four episodes. It's not, yeah, it's not much in it. It was fairly. It was fairly close. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty close. So we've we've both almost done a third. Yeah. Both done around. Yeah, around a third. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's not bad. Uh, it's so yeah. you are level pegging on one point each. Cool. Um, it's all to play for. Okay, and what about me? How many episodes of Primitive Culture have I appeared on? Every single ah, one. Ah, well, is how many? He ha- <laughs> I don't think you have, because I'm pretty sure there was an episode that you and I did, Clara, just us, back in the day. Oh, on fan fiction. On fan fiction. On fan fiction. So fiction. maybe he's appeared on 99. 99. Yeah, it could be. I think you've only not appeared on one episode. But bear in mind what I said about this being the 100th episode recorded and well, the episode 100, but not actually the 98. 100th episode of Primitive Culture. Okay, what, whatever, whatever the number is, deduct one. <laughs> <laughs> that's, the, that's the number okay. I'm going for. So what are you, you going to go for? Okay, I'm going to okay, push you I, both to answer. Tony, I, give me I a number. Will, I, I will say 101 then in that case. Okay, and Clara? 
Oh wait, wait! So you're saying you've recorded more than a hundred now? Yeah, because there was there were supplemental episodes. So, <sighs> see, there was a but clue early in this episode. You know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. So, oh yeah, okay. So I'll go for a hundred and one too. <laughs> you both get a point. Congratulations! <laughs> I feel like, I feel like you did the, like you did the thinking for me. <laughs> did, what did we? Did <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> Maths, numbers, bang on the money. I'll okay. let Tony yeah. figure out. Did we get this right, Duncan? Did we get, uh, did we get the number right? You got this right. You both got that right. You got that oh, right. Oh, okay. no, that's so cool. Amazing. Okay. Oh, I feel like we should get you a cake. Yeah. <laughs> a Star Trek <laughs> I think we should give you like a Star Trek rank, you know, like you should be captain. Captain, now, yeah, he's, yeah, Captain Barrett. Admiral, at least. Vice <laughs> Admiral. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, next question. Question, what is this? Question five, I think. Four, five. Uh, the longest episode of Primitive Culture oh. to the nearest minute. How many minutes? I mean, how many hours and how many minutes uh, oh, wow. would you say it oh, is? No. Was this the one we did on Father's Day? <laughs> I don't think that was such a long one. But <laughs> Thank God. No, that's fine. That's I'm fine. not asking you to guess which one it was. I'll tell you which one it was when I give you the answer. But how, how long do you think we've gone? I think, I think it's over the two hour mark. I I, mm-hmm. I reckon I reckon it, maybe it's one of the ones that you that you've done with Zach, Zachary Frulin maybe I don't know um, I, I'm going to say two hours ten minutes two hours ten and Clara um, I'm going to say two hours and fifty nine minutes <laughs> <laughs> exactly. exactly you think we've done a three hour <laughs> three hour podcast oh yeah it, maybe oh, maybe God. that will Are happen one day maybe. It's not hard. You know it's not hard. Come on. Okay. I'm afraid I'm going to have to give Tony the point for that one. Yes. Uh, yeah. Two hours, five minutes is actually oh, wow. the longest okay. we've gone. And it was on episode 93 quite recently. It was actually one that uh, Lee Hutchison and I did in ah. the never-ending uh, Star Trek episode <laughs> names series, which was meant to be a short, light <laughs> bit of fun. Uh, and this turned into a kind of nightmare Massive, i think that's you know. quite restrained to be honest <laughs> yeah millstone two hours, my five neck. minutes it's the two sweet spot minutes. i know yeah and that was for like i don't know a couple of seasons of ds9 and one or two of voyager okay right the shortest episode now i'm not counting here Ooh. uh when we've had just like an interview with one uh sort of celebrity or, yeah. or, or whatever because some of those were very okay. short but the shortest episode that is a discussion of some kind but that includes discussions out and about at conventions at the cinema, etc. Uh, right. I I, I reckon because some of these, some of the ones we did maybe at DST or various places were were a bit short or at the Prince Charles and things like that. I'm going to say about thirty eight minutes. That's my mm-hmm. guess. Okay, and Clara. I'm going to say forty five minutes. Mm. Okay. Now, okay. The answer is. That is Tony's going to get that one. Oh. The answer is forty minutes Tiny. and thirty oh, sorry. seconds. <laughs> forty so minutes. Tony is winning, Tony winning here in the lead. Racing sorry, ahead. there's all to play for. There's all to play for. Which which episode was it? It was episode sixty nine, which was recorded at Destination Star Trek last year, which was about uh, fan encounters, basically meeting oh. meeting your idols and uh, not making a fool of yourself in the process. So we were talking about. Oh. Uh, Barclay and Zephram Cochran and moments like that in Star Trek. Oh. Cool. Okay. That's a good subject. Next question. How many episodes have been recorded on location? And I'm not Ooh. counting in this, Clara, when we recorded at your office, 
I'm not counting <laughs> when I recorded. That's the location. So, sorry. That feels like a very exotic location these days. Yeah. I guess what I'm saying is I'm, I'm counting when the location was, you know, either kind of relevant or it was kind of meaningful that we, we met up or whatever, rather than say when I not did an episode that with, Amy was staying in yeah exactly not the flat that Amy was staying in not I mean when I was in Dublin I went to see Darren Mooney and recorded in his house I'm not really counting that as a location I'm counting you know uh the Royal Albert Hall uh destination Star Trek these kind of things the Prince Charles there's, cinema there's been a few of them there have been quite a few I think so I will say I'm gonna say about 10 I think Okay, ten, and that might be yeah. too low. So inc- one in ten, one in ten episodes. That would be, mm. yeah. Clara, are you including pubs? Yeah, <laughs> if if, okay. if the pub. I mean, the, I think we've only recorded in a pub when we were at some other location that maybe was too noisy or something. Mm. Yeah. Okay, ca- so you're not ca- like including. Pubs. You would count. Pubs. Remember when we went pubs, to pubs? Yeah. Remember those days? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know. Yeah. I mean, exotic, oh. real, real exotic. <laughs> yeah. You know. I yeah. Mean, um, ooh, I'm going to say about seven. Seven. Okay. I'm afraid Tony gets it again. The correct <laughs> Sorry. is 15. I see. I thought I was too low. Yeah. That yeah. Does, I'm not sure. Well, this is a mobile show. You know, we can, <laughs> we can record no. anywhere. <laughs> I never like would have guessed that up. many. Mm. Duncan, we did one sitting on a uh, like a table outside of, I, th- I don't know where we were going, but we were in London, weren't we? And we were talking in about- a wine bar. Yeah, with all the veterans. Do you That's remember? right. The yeah, yeah, extremely yeah. elderly veterans. Was that, yeah. Yeah. Was that yeah. when helicopters? Yes, there were. Yeah, yeah. helicopters yeah. were circling. Yeah, yeah. And we were, yeah, we were counting that as location, even though it was just kind of that we needed yeah. a, a place. But, we were yeah. looking for somewhere to up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Up and we looked for a place. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mm. Cool. Okay. Wow. Um, there you go. Fifteen percent of primitive culture recorded on location. Okay. Uh, next question. When I went back and looked at some of our early episodes, I noticed that they tended to be on the shorter side than some of the ones we record now so with that in mind how many of these hundred or hundred odd episodes would you say are under an hour in length oh there can't be that many of this there can't be this episode i have to tell you is not going to be one of them (laughs) (laughs) definitely not i've just just knowing how much the three of us like to talk i can't actually believe there's that many of them no, like I, I, I think about four. I'm going quite low for this. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> well, I'm clearly wrong there. <laughs> He's just giving it away. <laughs> so under an hour, right? Yeah. Is what yeah. you said. And that does okay. it. If you want to just, in- sorry, I, don't, I wasn't trying to rubbish your answer, Tony. But that does include like uh, <laughs> fine. interviews with you know with one person or whatever, of which there are a few. So yeah, okay. Nudge it up a bit if you want to. <laughs> Okay, I'm going to say... <laughs> I'm going to... No, 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 oh, no, no. Don't give me another chance. I'm sticking with four. I, if only to give <laughs> you a right, point, Okay, Clara, Tony's sticking with four. I'm sticking Fine, with four. I'm, I'm losing <laughs> exactly. here. I'm dying. You need to give I'm it giving to, you a point. Help me yeah. out. It's a pity um, point. Let's see, you know, because, you know... So bittersweet. <laughs> um, I'm going to say 25. I'm going to say 25. Right, okay. I've kind of forgotten how many answer is 13, which means... Clara Ooh, is 12 wow. off and Tony is 9 <laughs> off, so I'm afraid. So Tony still gets, Tony the, still point. gets the point. <laughs> sorry. Amazing. <laughs> the pity point, the pity point. Oh I'm sorry, uh, Clara. I can't, even get, I can't even win a pity point. It's that bad. It's that bad. It's all right. Some it's all right. losers You're still, are just always going to be losers. Clara, so yeah. you could still 
you could still win, I think. There are enough points left to go. Um, <laughs> just, okay. just about. <laughs> right, now this is, an, this is an interesting one, I think. Obviously, I mentioned that uh, each of you has done around a third of the total episodes. There have been about 100 episodes. Uh, and bearing in mind that sometimes we've had roundtable discussions with a number of people present. How many different guests in total have appeared on Primitive oh. Culture, not counting the three of us. Oh, crikey. That's that's going to be a good number, I think. I think... I th- I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go for about 30 here. I think there's been quite a few people come on over the time, especially given we've done a group of people sitting around a table. So I, I could even mm-hmm. be too low there, actually. I'll stay. I'll stick with thirty. Clara, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go for a higher number again, just because I'm you know that's 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 not, that's worked so well for me so far. Um, I'm gonna go for forty. Yeah. Forty. Well, Clara, you get the point. Yes. The correct answer is actually fifty. Finally, fifty guests. Finally, the three of us <laughs> means there have been fifty-three I feel voices. Like a Klingon right now. Yeah. <laughs> 53 so, wow uh, wow yeah which amazing. surprised me it's, it's more than insane. i was expecting yeah um that's crazy just to prove it and also because it's that 100th episode and i feel it's a way of thanking all these people <laughs> making this show what it has been i'm going to read you the list go for it so these are the 50 people who've appeared on primitive culture you may recognize some of their names mm. aaron harvey alexander siddig amy nelson andy pilastides ben cook Ben Keeling, Brandy Jackler, Brandon Shea Matala, Brandon Braga, Carlos Miranda, Casey Biggs, Chase Masterson, Chris Nunn, Dan Davidson, Dana Kazim, Darren Mooney, Drew Barker, Ethan Siegel, Greg Cox, Guinevere Nell, Ira Stephen Bear, Jeffrey Combs, John Krikorian, Justin Ozer, Kay Shaw, Keith DeCandido, Larry Nemechek, Laura Perkins, Lee Hutchison, Leslie Eager, Manu Sadia, Mike Schindler, Murray Christensen, Nana Visitor, Nicholas Meyer, Nicole DeBoer, Peter Organ, Rick Everson, Rick Sternbach, Rob Chapman, Susan Eldon, Terry Parsons, The Trekkie Girls, Tony Robinson, Una McCormack, Will Wynn, Zach Moore and Zachary Fruling. Never heard of any of them. So those... Uh, (laughs) (laughs) That is the illustrious, illustrious guest cast uh, of Primitive Culture. uh, Yeah, it's amazing. Up there with DS9 in terms of the the guests that we've called on. Mm. Um, Just imagining their names scrolling up like this, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Very the quickly, stars yeah. in the background. There you go. Our, um, names, our names will be signed, like, in our, like, handwriting at the end of this. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the three of us, three of us come at the end. Signature. We get to, yeah. yeah. We get to do that. <laughs> um, oh, damn. I've skipped my question. I've, I've ruined my next question because I was going to ask you to name some. Damn. Okay. <laughs> That's okay. I think, I, think it's, That's I think it's still a good question because, yeah. you know, our memory... <laughs> Shall we through the magic of Ed? No, I'm not going to. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, that's a shame. I was going to see if you could think of any. No, um, fine. We'll skip that one. Or maybe I should just give you both a point for that because I was going to. Yes, get please. That. I'm going to assume that you would. I'm going to assume you would have got that right if I'll I hadn't fumbled. Yeah. If I hadn't you. fumbled People the questions, you would both have come up. Uh, and I, I'm hoping that Clara, you would at least have got your husband as one of your. <laughs> <laughs> It's one of your five I was asking you to suggest, but, you know, uh, we'll never know. Sorry. Okay. I would have loved it if she hadn't. Uh, That would have been amazing to hear. I think it's very high chance that I wouldn't have, to be honest. (laughs) The way things are going, you know I wouldn't have. Okay, so at at the halfway point, Tony is on seven points, Clara is on four points. There are ten points left to go. Okay. Now is when you need to have your fingers on the buzzers. We're kind of going university challenge style here. Okay. 
this is a round called Guess the Titles. Um, I'm going to give you the name of an episode. I need you to buzz if you think you know what that episode was about. Okay. If you get it right, you get a point. If you get it wrong, I pass it over to the other side for the chance to steal a point, and then we continue. Okay, okay. so question one. Death by Alien Badgers. Ooh, I remember this time. Anyone going to buzz? Make a guess. Shh. <laughs> Birmingham Black. <laughs> um, uh, weird creatures in Star Trek. <laughs> that is incorrect. <laughs> Clara, would you like a chance to steal this point? Death by Alien yes, Badgers. Um, death by Alien Badgers. Okay. Death by Alien Badgers. Um, <laughs> massive mistakes that Captain Janeway has made. <laughs> those, those would be the, the, the lizard baby, surely the not the Alien baby. Badgers. <laughs> no, I'm afraid that is also the wrong answer. The correct answer, Clara, this was one you and I did together. This was an episode about red shirt deaths uh, and the oh trope God, of the red shirts. Yes. And it was yeah. called episode 37. Oh my God. Death by oh Alien God, Badgers. Yes. Yeah. Cool. Okay, on to that was a fun episode. On to question two. Fingers on buzzers. The mother of all resolutions. <laughs> I can see we're both going to be great. This <laughs> is going to be terrible, <laughs> terrible podcast listening, isn't it? Um, the mother of all resolutions. Birmingham Black. So, Clara, you need your voice. You need your noise. By the way, you need to figure out your buzzer noise. Your Star Trek buzzer noise. Um, I'm going to say... Uh, <laughs> She's got props. She, she did. <laughs> Get in She's my face. There you go. Something. Okay. Um, yeah. I Tony. will say New Year's Eve episodes, things like 11.59 or something like that. It's a good guess, but it's not the one. But I would say you're you know, sort of heading in the right direction. Clara, okay. do you want a chance to steal this point? Uh, She's busy for... <laughs> <laughs> you don't need to buzz yet. Did, did you <laughs> hear that? That's brilliant. That's yeah. did, you, did you even hear yeah. that? Um, okay, so... Um, the for, mother... What was the question again? <laughs> the mother of all resolutions. I, I should say, for whatever, for the listeners, and also for the two of you, in case uh, you haven't thought of this, our episode titles always by... Trek FM edicts have to be yeah. taken from a phrase that was spoken in the episode. So that's where all of, all of these titles are things that someone has said during the course of the episode in question. Mm. I think this has to do with Picard and A Christmas Carol. Correct. You win the oh. point. Yes. Well done. <laughs> I mean, you know, Picard and resolutions is going to be... Very good. Okay. I'm ready. Okay. Question three. <laughs> Fingers on buzzers. Tit for tat. Birmingham Black. <laughs> um, you have to have an answer. You can't, you can't just buzz to the stop Clara bus. Scoundrels. Scoundrels in Star Trek. It is not scoundrels in Star Trek. Okay. Clara, would you like to try and steal this point? I think it's to do with, um, like, trying to get around the censorship. Um in the costumes of like the original series. <laughs> is this like what was referred to as the nipple memo that they used to get? Exactly. If, they, if you showed too many nipples, you got uh, it is it is not. I no, wish you nothing had been. so crude. <laughs> that title uh, was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
yeah if we do if we, we'll have, to, we'll have to do tit for tat part two if we um <laughs> if we ever get around to doing something on costumes in the original series no this was an episode that justin oza and i recorded episode 39 which was on catch 22 and mash and oh, treachery faith yeah. and the great river in which oh. nog is trading uh objects for other objects yeah. in oh, yeah. a madcap comedic fashion okay um Fingers on buzzers. This is an episode that you both, I believe, appeared on. Uh, diversity is survival. <laughs> We're terrible. Wow, we have a great memories. We really are. Um, diversity is survival. Diversity is survival. It wasn't any of us who said this line, if that helps. It probably doesn't. But. Diversity is survival. It was someone we were speaking to. Who said this to us? Birmingham Black. Is this is this one of the interviews we did at DST? Is this the one we did with Una McCormack? I'm going to give you the point because it oh. is the same episode as okay. when we spoke to Una McCormack. Cool. So I'm going to give you a point for that. It was episode 43 on the Deep Space Nine documentary premiere yeah. at DST. Clara, for the opportunity of an extra point, <laughs> who do you think uh, said this? expression diversity is survival who who that we interviewed um, uh, that wasn't una mccormack said this to us um iris stephen bear no but it's a good guess it was actually alexander siddick ah oh, i thought when you said that him. it was yeah mm. yeah yeah bless that him. was a great interview okay it was. good quote yeah. alexander he was a very very charming <laughs> he was i have to say on the mm. red carpet he was uh, yeah absolutely on good form uh okay Question five. Fingers on buzzers. <laughs> and this is a tricky one because it, it could almost refer to two episodes that we've done. And I'm not going to tell you, obviously, which one it is, but uh, you can take a guess. Size does matter. Oh. <laughs> I, th- I think Clara picked you to the post there. I'm going to say London Cook. Yes. <laughs> um, so it was to do with the tiny ship. <laughs> Well, was, was it to do with the I'm tiny really ship? sorry, Clara. It wasn't. Was <laughs> Tony? I shrunk the tiny no, ship. That was what I was going to say. That was, what that I was, was the say. other one. That was the other one. Okay, Tony. It wasn't that one. Tony has a chance to steal. It wasn't that episode. Something else that we talked about uh, with the title "Size Does Matter." Oh my god! <laughs> Size does matter. So it can't be tiny. It has to be big, right? Giants. <laughs> Giants in Star Trek. No, it was not. It was not about Giants Giant in Star Trek. Spock. This was episode 50 on the short treks. Oh, but I right, put it in okay. there as a bit oh. of a trick question because I kind of expected someone to guess that it was about. Yeah. The, the episode you're thinking of, Clara, that. I think we did call Honey, I Shrunk the Runabout, which was That's the, the one. of that episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, fingers on buzzers yet again. Next question. Who am I? Oh, oh. I have no idea. I have no idea. I know this <laughs> Would it help if I sang it for you? <laughs> yeah, go on. Shh, shh. Def- Who am I? Birmingham Black. This oh, is. Wait. Well, you're about to sing the Star Trek theme tune, uh, and the original. Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> That's sadly not. <laughs> I'm no, not okay. I don't go, know. Then. But, <laughs> I'm completely. And I don't wrong. even know the next line. Next line of the song. So no. I'm wrong. I've no idea. This was to do. Was this to do with oh um, that that like lounge singer in DS9? What's his Vic. name? Vic Fontaine. 
Vic, was not Vic to do Fontaine. with Vic Fontaine. This was an episode, Clara, you appeared on this episode. <laughs> uh, since you have the opportunity of seeing this point, I'm going to tell you this. Who am uh, I? Who am I, Duncan? I have no idea. You appeared on this episode and it did involve discussion of something am I a podcaster? that uh, includes a bit of singing. Oh, holy God. Was this at the South Bank? No, it couldn't have been. It wasn't to do with music in Star Trek, was it? That, so the singing is like a, it's like a red herring, right? The, 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 I was you just singing, singing the line because it is a line from a song, but uh, the episode itself We'd... is not primarily about singing. But obviously the title of the episode was taken from a song. I have no idea. Oh my God, no, I have no idea. This was episode number 55 on Les Miserables. Oh, and that was my best Jean Valjean. <laughs> who, who sing- <laughs> I have no idea that they sang that in Les Miserables. Couldn't you have sung something like I Dreamed a Dream or something? <laughs> I, I could have, but that wasn't the title of the episode. <laughs> or couldn't so, you have been sorry. like teeth falling out, <laughs> <Yeah>. stealing, <laughs> Valjean? Hey, who sings Who Am I? Is it Valjean? Jean Valjean. Name is? <laughs> no. Jean Valjean. Okay. Sings Who Am I? So you can see I, I, I've really kept it. Like, in my memory right there. Okay. Uh, all right, next question. Fingers on buzzers. Oh, my God. Checkmate. Birmingham Black. This was you and I talking about the prisoner and move along home. Very good. Yes. Correct, Yay. Tony. Sorry, Clara. I think you were just slightly behind him there with the with the i was like chess yeah, yeah. <laughs> well it's a good guess yeah yeah but we were yeah we were talking about the prisoner move along home and deadly games i think alamorain as well there you go <laughs> clara it's going to be your turn to sing next. <laughs> okay um right i'm not going to sing this one even though it does sound like a lyric <laughs> would i lie to you Charles and Eddie, that one, wasn't it? Um, Would I lie to you? Oh! <laughs> yes, so on. Uh, London Cook. With... Is this got something to do with Garrick? No. I just think you're a character that lies in Star Trek. <laughs> I th- was, was I in this one? Would I lie to you sounds familiar yeah. to me. This was actually really an episode to that Tony and I did together. Yeah, this, I know. I remember, I I must, remember the title. I think I've listened to it, though, because it sounds Would really I familiar. Would I lie to you? Oh. It's got something to do with spies and subterfuge and espionage. Am I? I don't know. Wrong tree entirely. I don't know. It's gonna. It, no. It's gonna. You're as both. soon as you say it, it's gonna click, isn't it? But yeah, you're flawed. The two of you. This was about the <laughs> next gen episode, a matter of perspective. And oh the yeah, movie Rashomon. Rashomon. Yeah, oh, that wasn't that long ago either. My memory's terrible. <laughs> that was about a year ago. <laughs> Really bad. Uh, okay. Um, <laughs> next episode, Clara. This is an episode that you appeared on. Um, because you're behind, I'm giving you that as a clue. But fingers on buzzers. <laughs> whoever can buzz in uh, first. This episode was called the game. Uh, <laughs> wait, wait. I was on this. <laughs> oh man, there's just oh. so many games in Star Trek. Birmingham Black. <laughs> I, uh, is this literally like what it says in the tin? Is this like deadly games in Star Trek? Like things that go wrong? 
No, because we've already done that one. Oh, no, 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 I know, wait, oh, yeah. No, I know. Um, and then you uh, don't get, you get a second. Hang on, hang on, you don't get a second guess. No, no, Clara I, I know. has the chance to steal this I, I, I think, one. I okay, think so I Tony thinks this. he knows the answer. I think I do. Well, if you're feeling generous, um, you can give Clara a clue. Okay, I, I, I might be wrong, Clara, but I'm going to say the word animals. Okay, I have no idea oh. what that refers to. <laughs> right, I am wrong then. <laughs> 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 so ignore me completely uh, ignore me completely Clara because I'm clearly wrong <laughs> but now all I can think about is animals <laughs> in Star Trek wait 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 animals wait, playing chess right. I could do yeah. this I could do this um, I know we were going to do an episode of animal rights but I don't think we ever got to I think to that's that, what so I was going for can't yeah. be that that hasn't happened yet <laughs> It's just like one of those weird Star Trek episodes where they go into the future. Yeah. You know. Um, uh, let me think. Let me think. Um, the game. The game. Yeah. Who famously refers to a game? <laughs> oh, wait. Oh, oh, yeah. Uh, somebody in the undiscovered country? No. Sort of, very loosely. Is this where maybe is this where we learn that like lots of people on Star Trek have referred to things as games? <laughs> <laughs> not quite. It's not. Um, it, it, this is not an episode about games. To be clear, so Tony and I did do an episode about games. This is not an episode about games. This is an episode about something that is referred to famously in a well-known catchphrase quoted in Star Trek as the game. I feel like this has something to do with, like, either it has something to do with the holodeck or it has something to do with, um, oh, my God, of course it does. It's the one about Sherlock Holmes. Correct. Ah, yes. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. Okay, <laughs> point to Clara. Really, I feel like that point wasn't deserved. I'm sorry. I feel ashamed of that point. We recorded that episode not that long ago. <laughs> That's okay. That was a good it was episode. a deceptively <laughs> simple title for a, yeah. a, a complicated topic. Uh, okay, last question. Um, I think... Without spoiling it, I think Tony is is probably too far in the lead to be caught up with. But for, you know, honour is at the stake. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, The last episode, fingers on buzzers, appropriately for our final question, the best is yet to come. Birmingham Black. Bada bada bing bing and uh, Ocean's Eleven. (laughs) I got that wrong. What was I saying? Bada bada bing. (laughs) You know the one I mean. Yeah, Clara, if you can get the DS9 episode right, I'll give you the point for this one. (laughs) (laughs) I've remembered it now. I've remembered it now. I can't remember. Bing, bada, bing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, okay, all right. I'm 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 sorry, I'm going to give it to Tony. Uh, Bada bing, bada bang is the name of the episode. And yes, it was about bada bing, bada bang and Ocean's Eleven. (laughs) Episode 86. Clara, uh, I think yours was worse. You're a bing, bing, bada, bing. <laughs> bada, bada, bing, bang. Isn't that um, the witch doctor song? Do you know that one? Bam, bing, 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 bang, bada, bing, bang, bada, 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 bing, 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 bing. <laughs> yeah, anyway, something oh like that. Oh, my God. <laughs> okay. Drum roll, please. The results are... Uh, Clara is in second place on six points. And Tony is in the lead on 10 points. So Tony is crowned the official uh, champion co-host of Privacy Culture in the episode 100 quiz. We were both a shambles, however. So, you know, I'm not going to take any applause (laughs) there at all. Yeah, I do do sort of feel like it's like 
we, we both have got the lower end of the spectrum <laughs> of what we could have Absolutely. got. Out of 50 points, yeah. you got 10 and you yeah. got 6. But remember, Clara, when you and I went to the Star Trek pub quiz <laughs> in uh, that pub in, in West London, we actually won... And uh, do you remember? By, so, you know, I don't know about lot. you, Tony, but Clara and I have, have won a Star Trek pub quiz. So, uh, you know, I, I mean, that, can, was, uh, that was don't, glorious. Don't forget, That's like you know. the only quiz I've ever I, I don't yeah. think I've ever no, won a too. quiz ever. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Fair play. Well, if they ever run one of those again, Tony, you know, look out for <laughs> it. But yeah, cool. Yeah. So everyone's a winner. It's been a pleasure uh, having you both back on the show. I think all that remains is to... I've, I've got the, the dregs of my glass of wine here with me. I don't have any champagne, sadly, but to drink a toast to yeah. Primitive Culture and to the drink two of you toast. Uh, and to say thank <laughs> you <laughs> to both of you for joining me once again and for joining me many times, as we've heard uh, over the years. And here's to many more episodes to come, hopefully. Absolutely. Cheers. 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 Kapla. <laughs> they're all going to hear us swallow <laughs> but, um, thank you thank you both of you for joining me as ever it's been a lot of fun uh, it's a pleasure thanks oh, Duncan well, thank you for having us Duncan it's been absolute yeah. joy and you'll be back for episode 200 right yeah yeah, yeah. Yes. yeah. we'll blink and it'll be okay. there we'll still be in lockdown should we make it should we make it that far we'll pay, yeah, we probably we'll, will. We'll pay yeah. very close attention yeah, yeah. to all the titles <laughs> yeah. I should hope I'll so I'll memorise them I should hope so <laughs> I should have said at the beginning you know any listeners feel free to, uh, it's a bit late now but <laughs> you know, feel free to, to, to play along let us know if you were playing along uh, on your own initiative um, let us know how you scored yeah. uh, and you know you, you too could be a co-host of Primitive Culture <laughs> <laughs> or at least yes, our, you know, number one, our number one fan. <laughs> cool. uh, thank you, both of you. And uh, see you soon, I hope. Join the conversation about your favourite corner of the Star Trek universe and beyond. You'll find us wherever you get your podcasts. If you're an Apple user, be sure to hit the subscribe button in Apple Podcasts on iPhone, iPad or Apple TV or the desktop iTunes app to get the latest episodes as soon as they're published. And please leave us a star rating and a written review. If you're not an Apple user, we've got you covered as well. You can find our shows on Google Play Music, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spreaker, SoundCloud, Windows Phone, in most third-party apps, and you can stream and download the MP3 file from our website or grab the RSS link. We'd love to hear your thoughts on today's show, and there are many ways for you to do that. The best place to join in the larger conversation is the Babel Conference, our listeners' group on Facebook. Just type Babel, B-A-B-E-L, into the search field on Facebook and it should come right up. If you'd like to send us an email, you can use the form on our website at trek.fm slash contact. Choose to send to a show and select Primitive Culture and that will come right to us. You can also find the network on Twitter at trek.fm and on Facebook at facebook.com slash trek.fm. If you'd like to help us keep all our shows coming to you each week, you can become a patron of the network on Patreon. Visit patreon.com slash trek.fm that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash track fm to get all the details. Perks include early access to episodes, exclusive content, producer credits and more available through our special patrons website, Patron Zone. It requires a great deal of money to produce, host and distribute these shows each month. So we really appreciate any support you can give us and we hope you'll join the team. Again, you can find all our details at patreon.com slash track fm. We'd like to take a moment now to thank our associate producers on Primitive Culture, Amy Nelson, Clara Cook and Tony Black. Amy is a presenter of many other shows on the network and you can find her on Twitter at, at Miss Amy Nelson. 
Clara and Tony were two of the former co-hosts of this show, and they'll be popping back from time to time. You can find Clara on Twitter at at MC and Tony at at AJBlackWriter. You're blended all right. Today, I'm joined by two very special guests, Tony Black and Clara Cook. Hi, both of you. How are you doing? <laughs> Anyone jump in? <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Hi, right. Clara. How are you? <laughs> good, thank you. I'm good. Let's try that again. I'm I'll good. do that. I'll do that bit again. We're too polite, Clara, aren't we? We're both doing the same like, thing. Someone's going to have to talk. Gonna... <laughs> okay. Right. Okay. Hi, both of you. How are you doing? Right, okay. This is, I'll, this is not a video be, podcast. I'll, you I'll know. go first, Clara. I'll go first. <laughs> okay, Tony will go first. Right, take okay. three. Take three. 